Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of the Facility Talk podcast powered by Bimo Elite Athletics. Today, we are joined by performance coach Ray Diaz. He's a performance coach over at Bimo Elite Athletics in LA. Ray, how are we doing today? I'm good, baby. I'm always good. Another day. Just blessed. Hey, dude, we'd love to see it. So right now, before we even started recording this, we were getting into like the social media stuff because both of us are doing a lot of like posts on social media. Um, and we were just trying to figure out like what is the best way to get content that will be seen, but also informative content. Because, you know, just especially like for Bimol Elite Athletics, you know, we're in the industry of wanting to push informational stuff so that we can help guys develop as players, um, as well as even coaches, you know, throwing out new information that other people might pick up. So we've been just bouncing like certain things like we we're trying to figure out. So what what have you found so far that has worked for you on like like what's the healthy balance to get so far? Oh, man, honestly, I'm trying to find I'm sure I'm still trying to find that right now because the problem with me is. I have like a very addictive personality. So like if I want to make content, I want to make videos or like I'm looking at stuff. I just have a tendency to stay up to three in the morning and try to create different things. And at the end of the night, I'm like, I don't even know if I want to post that. And it's just like, so I'm still trying to figure out like, you know, where I want to take it. Like we were talking about earlier, but yeah. um, I, so I, I mean, I, I'm still trying to find it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so no, the TikTok Instagram algorithm algorithms, like I was just having a conversation with Brent Dean, who, if you guys don't know, he is the co-owner of Bimol Elite Athletics. And we were talking about TikTok because I have the Bimol Elite Texas TikTok account and I've been posting videos on it. And recently the algorithm has been just destroying me. Like I post a video and I use like same genre, it's about baseball. And it, it hasn't even cracked like 800 views. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Cause then we go back like literally a month and a half, two months ago and I'm posting like mic'd up videos and stuff like that. And they're getting like five to 6,000 views a video. So it's just, it's a very like finicky thing to try to work through, but it, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Here's eventually. a, here's a, here's a tip too that I learned from one of my, uh, one of my buddies. He has like a big hitting page, like mm -hmm. 150,000 follower Instagram and like a lot of TikTok followers, a lot of YouTube followers. But what he told me for like posting a TikTok. He said, like the algorithm, he's like, if you want it to pop off, obviously like like the mic up videos, what they want you to do is when you upload it to them, use their filters, use their things because mm -hmm. they like that and they'll shout that out on the algorithm a lot more. Rather okay. than you like editing on like CapCut or Adobe or something and then just posting it, they want you to actually try to use their features because they like when you do that. And I guess also they like when you post to their stories a lot. Mm -hmm. If you post the stories, I guess that also picks it up on the algorithm a lot more. So I'm starting to learn these things um, but as I go. But yeah, I just I've been asking a lot of questions, trying to figure it out myself. Yeah, no, that's something I definitely I mean, I graduated with a degree in uh, athletic media promotion and I was mm -hmm. in social media, digital marketing classes. And not once did we talk about the algorithm. And that actually really bummed me out because it's like, no, yeah. yeah, it's just it's like a trick of the trade, I, I would say. But um, I want to talk to you about hitting a little bit, because I know you work with hitters a lot more than I work with hitters. So, um, you know, what do you what do you look at when you're going to, like, develop a guy? Um, maybe as like, a, let's say we got like a junior in high school and you're going to start working with them at, for hitting. He's pursuing a career that is in hitting. Um, what do you, what are your key 
like breakdowns that you want to look at right off the bat? Um, usually what I'm watching is first hitting assessment is I'm watching for a couple different things. I'm watching how well his feet stay anchored into the ground. Um, what I tend to notice from a lot of younger athletes that don't know how to use their body the right way is their feet are super unstable and like really spinny. So if you're trying to capture energy, it's really hard to do that with the unstable foundation. So I look at that. And then after that, I'm looking to see how far their hips rotate. If they're over rotating, maybe not rotating enough, but usually it's more over rotating. They're very spinning, but kind of comes back to the feet. Um, and then after that, what I'm looking for is like how their shoulders work direction to the ball and like how long their, their bat stays in the zone. But all that's kind of like tied in together. Um, but I just try to see and pick apart like what we think we can focus on the most. Mm -hmm. um, usually <laughs> with most of the like the, the high school kids, it, it tends to be just trying to understand how to use your body correctly and not trying to yank and like produce a lot of force the wrong way. Because, you know, like this, right, like you'll see a lot of guys in BP who could hit some balls out. But when they get into a game, they're a terrible hitter. Right. Right. So I just try to make sure like all the moves that we're trying to apply is allowing them to be a better hitter at the end of the day. And also what you see is when they move efficiently, guess what gets better? Right. Their bat speed, their mm -hmm. exit below their launch angle. And those are all the things that people are looking for. Um, I guess that's a, a short version of it. No, I 100 I, percent I agree with like if you're moving more efficiently, everything's going to go. It's going to be better. Like I, I always tell guys this when we go, when we're looking at like pitching velocity and in particular, like talking to guys on my team and they're like, you know, everyone, I'll use myself as an example. When my velo is down, my balls are a lot, it's a lot less consistent, like in the zone. Um, like, and they'll be like, why, why is it that when you come out and say you're throwing 91, 92, you're pounding the zone. And then when you're, I don't know, like 89, 90, you're a little bit all over the place. And I'm like, dude, it's because when you're throwing harder and the same thing applies to hitting, you know, when you're, when you're throwing harder, you're moving more efficiently. So you're going to be able to produce the result a lot easier. And also I found that less, like my arm doesn't hurt as bad the day after I've been throwing really hard. So that's what I'm talking about. Baby. Yeah. That's yeah. What I'm talking about. Yeah. So, and, uh, I, I don't know if it really applies that much to hitting about like this, the feel aspect. Cause it's, I've been out of the hitting game for a long time now. So to let, let me, me tell you, you, this is why like, so even like sometimes I'll do funny stuff with the pitchers. Right. Mm -hmm. And you may have seen this too, you know, knowing your background and stuff, but like what happens with a pitcher sometimes when they want to generate a lot of force and they want to be like really aggressive sometimes is what happens. They kind of push out of the backside mm -hmm. and they start to open up too soon. Right. So you can't, you can't produce enough energy that way. You try to be a little, you know, try to stay back a little more, but the hitters, when they go to load majority of the time, the load isn't the problem. It's kind of out of it. So mm -hmm. usually what I, I, that's why I love both is like, they're very similar. So let's just say I have a pitcher who's pushy and uh, inefficient or whatever. And then I, I tell them, imagine, buddy, you're on the mound, right? Imagine you're hitting. I want to see what that load looks like, right? I just want to see it. And usually what happens is that loads a lot better than when they think about pitching, right? Because it just puts them in a better position, right? To move more efficient. And then we try to blend the two, but that's like, they're very similar in the way they work. Um, obviously the, the hips are working more this way on the hitting side and right. then the hips are more this way, but the movement principles kind of remain the same, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you find it difficult to like dive in to the stuff with guys that are hitters? 
because like even pitchers that don't necessarily understand this stuff, I'm sure hitters same way, but do you find it difficult to try to explain these things to them because they may not fully grasp it? Or do you just try to like dumb it down for them? I, I forgot there's a algorithm for it. It's like, keep it, keep it stupid, simple, like kiss, like keep it it's, stupid, simple. So yeah. do you have to do that for a lot of these guys when you're trying to like break down what they're doing, what do you want them to do? So this is the thing, right? Like I know what it's supposed to look like, the perfect scenario, right? But mm-hmm. no one's perfect. But yeah. then also I do know, like as a player, it depends how the player is obviously, but majority of the time that like you could give them a, a lot of information, a lot of different like constects and like understand the science and blah, blah, blah. But as a hitter or pitcher, when you're trying to make changes, that doesn't really help you, right? And so like I said, I dumb it down, right? I try to, what I try to do is I try to create a thought or a feeling or put them in a position to where that allows their body to create better shapes, better angles, better movements. Mm -hmm. And then really that's what I love about coaching is like, and that's what like you'll hear from all the players I talk to. Like I talk their ear off all the time about everything, life, baseball, how the games are going. Cause I really just want to see how this works. Yeah. Right. If I understand, how you think and how you perceive things, right? And how you try to create like whatever whatever we're trying to do that day, that gives me more insight of how I can give them that cue or that feel, that thought that will allow their body to do what I want it to do. So exactly what you're saying, like I try to dumb it down. Sometimes maybe I dive in, but when we're working, it's not like super detailed like that, you know? So it just depends, I guess. Yeah, because you don't want to dive too deep into it in the middle of it because that's a no. one-way ticket that's a one-way ticket to the superdome and that's uh no. not a lot of good stuff happens there. <laughs> yeah usually when i when like i'll do more of the teaching side and i'm like what we're trying to apply it's like it's out of the cage it's it's we're not we're not moving yet i just i'll show them videos right of like this is the move i want you to try and replicate mm-hmm. let's see if you can do it right if we get you close to that move or i give you a feeling or a thought like a simple thought that allows your body to move that way then there we go you know, and, and the problem, though, is it, it changes day to day, as you may know, right? right like, right. you may be really good one day, and then the next day, it's just like, where the hell did that go? But, mm-hmm. you know, so that's just kind of, that's yeah. a little bit of insight. Yeah. Do you want to hear the the funniest, this is the funniest hitting philosophy, or not hitting philosophy, but tip from a hitting coach that I've heard him tell another player, like a player that worked like that. It's the dumbest thing in the world. So he goes, okay, so it's this guy. His name's Travis Fitta. He was old coach of mine, a good friend of mine. Um, he was my hitting coach back in high school. Uh, then we did, like, strength training together and everything. Great dude. Love him to death. Travis, if you see this or hear this, shout out to you. Um, right now he works for uh, Driveline. He's the director of hitting down in Arizona. But one summer we were, we were in Alabama, tra- travel ball, right? I was helping out coaching this team. And we had a dude, a big lefty. And all the first like two, three games, he was just laid on everything, just getting his doors blown off by fastballs. So he comes in the dugout and Travis goes up to him. He's like, what are you doing? Like, he's like, what, what are we thinking here? And he's like, well, I'm just trying to stay gap to gap with everything. And he's like, why? And he's like, well, because that way I don't pull off. And he's like, it doesn't matter, man. You're getting your doors blown off by 86 right now. Like you got to whistle just this thing. He's like, I want you to go up to your next at bat. He's like, and try to hit one off the right field foul pole. And he's a lefty. Swear to God. Swear to God. Next at bat. Home run. Home run. Just bomb. Right field. And he's just like, hmm? 
comes back up next at bat. I think Travis is at third base. He's coaching third base. Steps out, get his sign, and he literally just points to the foul pole. <laughs> Two run double off the right off the right center wall. And I'm like, that's hitting's already as hard as it is, you know. Just simplify it. Like as stupid yeah. as it sounds, like. No, that's that's everything, man. Like, uh, I'll give you uh, uh, two little little stories that, that I can't. I guess to kind of uh, come back to this, but like you so saw yesterday, really some working with one of the new uh, new hitting guys just got in a couple of days ago, right? We're just trying to get him feeling good, like swinging good, right? Mm-hmm. But he's very stiff, right? Really tight guy, very powerful, right? But the thing is, what is his? Uh, Basically, his organization was telling him is we need to increase bat speed, exit velo, you know, all the general stuff. But they never tell you how, obviously, it would be that's too easy. Right. Um, But so we start hitting the cage. We're hitting front toss. Right. And majority of the time he's he's kind of pulling off balls. Right. He's he's he can't really hit the other stuff with power. He's losing direction, whatever. But I just gave him two cues. Right. Not not right back to back, but two cues that day. I told him. One, well, it was really funny. So his average uh, bat speed was 73, like the whole time, maybe 70, 73, maybe, maybe touching 75 once upon a time. And then I told him, look, real tight guy, right? I told him, look, I want you to feel like Mookie Betts right now. Because he always talks about how he loves Mookie Betts and like watching him swing. I was like, okay, try to feel fluid. Try to feel mm-hmm. like effortless. Don't nothing, right? No muscle up. Just feel fluid, right? And then just kind of explode at the end. His bat speed jumped up to like 78.8, that swing. Right. But like you're saying, right, like you're giving them a cue, right, foul pull, bam, and he hits a fucking, you know, bomb. Yeah. And it's it, it helps him, right? He's not he's not getting jammed, not getting blown up. It's that same thing with hitting, right? And I think with hitting is, is easier because you can really tell ball to ball, like mm-hmm. how like how much of a change and how much that impacts them. But right, Batsby went up 78 at eight. And then also give him a simple cue of like this like little trout step over move. But it basically just helps him like brace and like helps with like ball compression, you know? And I told him to try to mimic that, right? And the next ball he hit was a hundred. Like, and he was only hitting the ball like 90, 94, right? And it's just like that's the thing, right? He's like, you have to understand, like that's the thing about hitters or pitchers. You have to understand like what are they thinking? How do they move through space? Mm-hmm. And then if we need to make a change. It's not about telling him, hey, I need you here and blah, 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 and like super specific. It's just trying to create that thought that allows his body to move better. And yeah. I think that's what's what I love about coaching the most, you know? Yeah, no, just finding those little like intricacies and how to yeah. like dive into somebody's mind. Um, I think for like for a lot of guys is they struggle with getting that carryover from training to like in-game scenarios. So I like the super simple cues for in-game stuff. So like where you're just like, hey, like just relax, like all this stuff, breathe, you know, common one pitchers just throw strikes. It's a terrible one. You know, <laughs> that's not that's not the kind of cue we're looking for. But um like yeah. I'd say like for what is it? Hitters. <laughs> I had a teammate last year. He would tell guys like if they popped up, he'd be like in the dugout. Hey man, you hit it a little too much like that. I want you to hit it a little bit like that. That's what you <laughs> tell guys. This is like dumb stuff like that. But a lot of the time it works. The simple, the simpler the cue, the better. And I mean, for me, like my coach in between innings, if I'm pitching, I know that I'm a guy who, if you get in my head and like say, like, hey, I need you to do this, if you tell me that in a game scenario, it's gonna go downhill real quick because that's all I'm gonna want to focus on rather than just getting out there and competing. So like I had to, we had to have that conversation where it's like, he's like, would you, do you want me to talk to you in between innings? And I was like, 
please don't. I'm like, for the love of God, do not, do not talk to me about anything. Like either like say like, Hey, good stuff, like whatever, but don't be like, Hey, you're doing this with your front side or Hey, you're not, you're not, uh, you're popping out that back leg a little too, too early, but yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a, that's really the hardest part about being a coach is like, you just have to understand like what makes that guy tick. Mm-hmm. that's the most important part like i don't care if you know everything in the world and you're the smartest person but like if you're not able to communicate with that player the best way then he's probably not going to get the best out of himself you know just like you know this right like hey man don't you know i'm throwing out don't, don't bug me baby let me let mm-hmm. me let me talk you know what i'm saying so it's kind of that thing of like understanding player to player they're all different they're yeah. all unique you know they all have their own thought process so but allowing them to do that and not trying to over coach them you know Mm-hmm. no exactly and i mean it sounds like you're also speaking from personal experience so i mean oh. if we want to go back to your playing days i know oh, you dude, played... we could die. oh let's dive yeah, let's, in baby. let's do it all right because i know you played you are one of the fortunate people that have played uh college baseball at every level and you got to play a little bit of professional baseball so you played two years at a d1 a year at a d2 and an naia school so i mean what what was the biggest difference that you noticed like going level to level I guess uh, I'll make it, you know, it's really funny. Okay. I'll make, well, this is just my experience. Not everyone's like that. Right. Mm-hmm. From I'll do it from like a player perspective, a coaching perspective, and kind of, we'll just kind of elaborate more on that. So from the player perspective, from the D one, the D two, the NAIA, right. The D one, uh, definitely a lot more regimented. Um, definitely a lot more like focus from the, what I've seen. This is my environment. Not everyone's like this. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot more focus for sure. More detail oriented. And then D2, a little less of that, right? A lot, maybe a a little bit of it, but also more of like, you know, allowing the players to be themselves a little more, Mm -hmm. right? Allowing them to be more of a natural, like, you know, person rather than like, this is the program, this is the way we're doing things. And you can't, like, you can't get around from that. Like, you have to do this or else kind of mentality. D2 is a little less of that with my coaching. I really like my time there. And then NAIA, it was one of those things where they just let me do whatever I wanted to do. But, <laughs> but this is the thing, right? And I think for every player, they're all different, mm-hmm. right? Maybe some guys do need to be way more regimented, way more detailed, just constantly focused and dialed in. And then there's other players who need that. And then some of like, just let them be themselves. Right. And then there's also people who need themselves to just be, let me just do my thing, baby. You know, let me, let me, let me figure this out. Let me, Let me try to like, just, you know, just be me as much as I can. And for me personally, that's how I've always been the best. Right. And when you look at my numbers and they're all dial into some other things, but like D1, D2, NAI, like I got better. Don't get me wrong, the competition, but the preparation allowing me to do what I needed to do. Right. Allowing me to train and do my other work at another facility, even during season and off season, that benefited me a lot. Right. I became the best version of myself my senior year. And I mean, my stats proved it. Um, I was very dominant, but not everyone's like that. Mm-hmm. Back to, And then you go back to the coaching side is like. The D1 level where I was at, it was a, it was a lot of uh, just breathe and focus and, and, and you know, and throw strikes. And, throw strikes. You know, <laughs> I get it. But like there was no development. Yeah. Right. None of that. And so I. I yeah. A little clashing, you know, a little bit. Um, so that's what made me leave there. Um, but I think, you know, from my experience, 
it made me understand a lot of things and see things in a different way. And one thing I take away from it is everybody is different. Yeah. Uh, everybody thrives in different scenarios, different places, you know, they all have different experiences, but at the end of the day, um, what remains the same is like, you just have to allow those players to do like what makes them feel the best. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I take away from. It, and that's what I take away with it in coaching. Right. right. It's like, I don't want to make this guy and this guy and this guy the same. Cause they're not, you know I mean? Like you're a big, you're a giant baby. Like you're huge. And then you got me. I'm like, I'm like six foot. Always been a little stocky, you know, well, like I'm, about, I'm about the same height as you. I, I, Are you? No, yeah. you look, uh, maybe you look about six, six, two forty. No, I got a, I, uh, I'm not, don't worry. That's good camera. That's good camera angle. I'm like a <laughs> little angle. over, I'm like a little over six one. So, oh, <laughs> but I, one of my teammates, this is a little tie into this next story. He always jokes with me because he's like the guy I took under my wing. He's my throwing partner. He's my lifting partner right now. We go lift on our own. Um, but he, he always messes with me. He's like, dude, you're like five, nine. Cause he's like six, four and he's super uh, skinny. He's super skinny too. So he looks a lot taller than me. And he's like, yeah, you're like five, nine. What are you like? Five, nine, five, eight. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but um, no, he was telling me, so he had a conversation the other day with our GA about our winter throwing program. And this, this ties into what you were saying about how everyone's different and how some programs, you know, they try to like lump everybody up into the same category and how they operate. And he was having a conversation with our GA talking about our winter throwing program. And he said, he told me, he was like, yeah, our GA said that this program's probably not going to help 10 of you guys, but it'll help the majority of the guys. And he was, and my buddy was like, well, why, why would I do it then? You know, and he's like, I'm not going to say it's not going to benefit you. He's like, but it, you know, it's not going to be like, as important to like do this program as it will for other guys. So it's like, well, why would we, you know, waste our time <laughs> basically, you know, it's like, let's, yeah. let's address each individual needs, you know? And I think it's, it's a hard thing to do for college baseball. Um, especially cause you know, you're on a timetable. You only have a certain amount of practices, especially at NCAA schools. Um, it's, it's hard to like, be like, all right, we got to focus on this. One guy needs to focus on this. This one guy needs to focus on this. So, you know, when players, I, I say like, it's great when they're playing at like a good school and stuff, and then they go home in the off season. I think it's really important. That's why I love places like by Molite athletics, find a location where they can develop you or they can tell you, look, this is what you do really well. This is what you do bad. We need to focus on what you do bad while also supporting what you do good. So we're going to give you, we got to give you a detailed program that'll bring up your weaknesses and put them on par with what you already do. Good. So tricky, 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 tricky stuff. I'll tell you what. Very, very tricky, very tricky. But like I said, like how you talk about Bimo and other places like that. I mean, when you, when you go to the best places around the country or the, hear the best coaches talk, like it's always that mentality. Mm-hmm. It's always like, I need to make you the best you. And I think that that's the most important thing. I mean, I'm sure you know this as a player and as a coach is like, that's all we try to do, right? It's not, it can't be the same for every guy. It's got to be a little different for everyone, you know? Yeah. You know, we're not in the coaching. I like to say we're not in the coaching department. We're in the player development department. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So anybody can be a coach, you know, my dad, my dad used to joke around. He'd be like, you got facilitators and then you got actual coaches facility mm-hmm. anyone can be a facilitator you know they can go out there and be like hey we're gonna do this this and that but then it's like the, the really really good coaches 
most of the time that have the most amount of success are the guys that can actually like get in, get inside guys and be like, all right, let's, let's do this. We're going to do this, you know, work on this. All right. And then they can incorporate it into the team and it all meshes together. And it's just like a, it's like a symphony all works yep. in tandem. But um, I also saw that you played indie ball. Where, where did mm-hmm. you play your indie ball at? Oh, so I played at USPBL um, okay. for a season. Um, I don't know if we could talk about it on camera. I mean, we'd maybe a, a little after, but um, it was, don't get me wrong, I was blessed to have the opportunity, mm-hmm. but I kind of walked into something I, I wasn't aware of the scenario. Um, okay, gotcha. Uh, but basically what happened is uh, it was, I want to elaborate, basically when I got there, um, it was one of those places where you're not allowed to be you, if that makes mm-hmm. if that, No, yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it was it was very like this way or the highway, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, did, didn't work. Like it was one of those places where you're literally just talking about it. You just spoke on it. Oh, they'll help this twenty or that was ten or not, and it was very much like that. Um, so it, you know, it just I didn't have the best season. Because I didn't. I didn't yeah. have. I didn't feel like I was prepared enough to do what I needed to do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I I think like for the school I'm at right now, I love my coaches. I love them to death. Don't like, I know I just said that, but no, I do love them because they're, they are open to like suggestions, things like that. Like if you bring it up, like I know in the, like back at the beginning of the fall, we had like a strict plow routine that he wanted everyone doing. And I had to sit down with him and be like, and I showed him video of like when I first part of the fall and then like a couple weeks in and it was, we were doing figure eight drills. That's what he wanted us doing. And beginning of the fall figure eights have never worked for me like it's i i had this conversation with joe like a while back about how i'm not able to like generate any force on that like you can put me in front of a radar gun i could throw do a figure eight same intensity with like the like uh what is it the seven ounce plyo ball uh, i could do the same intensity on it it'll be like 73 all right and then you move me over do me give me like a janitor throw or like a what is another one we do like a step it like a step back step back and it'll spike up same intensity it'll be up at like 70 76 77 and it's just something i found that does not work for me so i i had the conversation with them and they're open to suggestions so i do really appreciate that but that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome yeah yeah but at my junior college was not not the case i don't know <laughs> yeah. i don't know uh you, you you didn't play junior college so i mean i don't know what it's like over in california i'm sure you've built some relationships with some colleges in the area so, I mean, how many, I got to know though, I, how many schools are around the facility in, in LA? Cause there's a lot from what Man, I heard. There's a lot, dude. There is a lot. I mean, if you go from the high schools, there's about 20 in like a five mile radius, maybe That's probably funny. more, maybe I'm blank. There's probably more dude. Like there's a lot, there's a lot. Like I went to Torrance high school, which is five minutes down the road uh-huh. and there's Torrance high, there's West high, there's North Torrance uh and they're south torrance and that's just mm-hmm. torrance they have like redondo peninsula pv yeah. Mar- like it just and that's and like they're all like in like 10 minute driving of each other so yeah. there's a there's a lot of that um and like how you said like the juco it may be a little different uh there's some places here that are the same right there's some where it's like you have to do this and then there's other places where they kind of give you some more freedom but i think it, it's like that everywhere and it's it's one of those tough things for players because you know, we get a lot of guys that come in and they, they keep telling about what their coaches are forcing them to do or what they have to do. And I'm just listening. And I'm like, ah, that's brutal, you know. Mm-hmm. So then I just try to, like, make sure that we're 
taking care of them the right way when they are in the facility. So that way, obviously they're healthy, but like they can perform as well, you know, cause they, they all want to get to the next level. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, did, did you get in touch with, um, with Bimal when you were still a player or did you get in touch with them after you were, or when you were a coach? I got in touch with them after my first independent season. Okay. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. After my first independent season. And then I came in the off season and I started training and yeah, I already knew Brent from a, a while ago because he's mm -hmm. like a local guy. I went to South and there's another place called the refinery, which is more like, uh, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but that's where they actually started like Joe and Brent. And then mm -hmm. they were only there for like a week, I think. And then they got pushed out because the refinery shut down and they had to go to Beach City. Um, but long story. But like I, I knew Brent from then. So um, and I knew there was like a local facility here. And then so then, yeah, that's how I got in touch. But then COVID hit and there was no real seasons for like two years. And that's when I just like I, honestly for me, I just kind of like a little bit of depression, couldn't get no field. And I just kind of got burnt out from training all the time and like yeah. not being on the field, you know, so. But yeah, so that's when I stopped playing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know COVID, COVID did that to a lot of guys. I know for me, COVID was when I actually started. I that's when I met uh, met Brent. That's when they opened the facility in Texas. So I got to get in there. I think I was there were two guys there when I started, I want to say. Cause and one of them I was really good friends with. He was like, he's like, I say he's like my younger brother because I've trained with him oh. since I was for what I was a junior in high school when I started training with him and he was a freshman in high school. Okay. And yeah, it just continued through there. But yeah, I think it was literally him and another guy. They had just started. So I came in and I talked to Brent and I was like, I like what they're doing here. Like, this is exactly <laughs> what I like, the stuff I like. So just kept that ball rolling. So I'm really, we're, I'm really fortunate that I got to meet Brent, meet Joe, you know, and they gave me the opportunity to one, develop my skills as a player, but then also, like as a coach and then give me more opportunities like beyond playing too including like this podcast and everything like that so yeah. and i'm sure it's the same situation for you yeah i mean i get talking that too like i like i said like i've really like no i have a little bit of coaching experience like i was a, i was a trainer done some other things in some other places um uh, but brent like they gave me a huge opportunity here you mm -hmm. know so like that's one thing like we talk, I'm very grateful for the the scenario that I'm, I'm, I'm put in. And like, it's funny, like even I talk, uh, I didn't get to meet Joe when I first got hired because he was like, yeah, something going on or whatever. But the next time he came in, like I made, I made sure I was like, Hey Joe, like I, I really appreciate this opportunity because I'm really grateful for this. Like, dude, I'm in here every day and like this shit just flies by because I'm having a blast. Like mm -hmm. I love doing this. Like this is amazing. So I'm definitely blessed. And I think, in a couple of different aspects, but I, I think the biggest thing for me is like, I'm able to do something I'm passionate about every day. Right. And, you know, I think the big guy up there, you know, every time I wake up, I'm like, dude, I get to coach base. Like I get to develop baseball players. Like, this is what I do. And so like, I love this man. Like, like, yeah, there's, there's no other way around it. So, but yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I, I wanted to ask you, where did I put it? Shoot. Joe, I showed Joe this because I wanted to try to get him in touch with the guy who made him. I can't find where I put it. He he said that you got fascia sticks. Oh. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? Little fascia sticks? Have you been using those? Dude, I, I, got... I haven't. So, I mean, I don't throw anymore, man. Like, you know, okay. I'm retired, just BP tosser. So, like, mm. I don't really care about this bad boy no more. <laughs> but that is, that is one thing that um I learned uh from, you know, some some, like, smart people over time is – 
like how fascia, how it incorporates and how it really works within your body. So the fascia sticks are definitely something like I, I posted one post about it and then Joe like messaged me about it and started talking about it. But those are some things that you can look into for a lot of different players to kind of loosen up some things that you wouldn't really like think to do at first. And yeah, yeah the, the fascia sticks are very interesting, you know, and I think that's kind of like my mentality is um like, like I try to pick up every leaf, turn it over every rock, trying to figure out any little way, any possible way to make guys play, play better. Don't, mm-hmm. it don't matter if you throw with your eyes closed and you throw 97, well, guess what we're going to do, but you know what I mean? So that it's kind of like, that's my mentality. Uh, did you have questions about it? No. So what happened was, so one of my new teammates this year, he's a catcher and he's friends with the guy who started the, them, like started making like the steel ones and everything like that. And he got like a bunch of them. He gave me one to use and I've been using it. And I'm going to be the first one to say, I don't know a whole lot about that. Like I've, I've read about it. I know what, like how big of a role it plays in like elasticity as well as like explosiveness. I've been using it just to get in like these tiny grooves. Like I always get a knot inside, like right in here in my forearm. So I've just been trying, it's really good for getting in there, getting those like little, little ones out and but the like the tissue quality plays a huge factor. I don't think enough guys r- realize. Do you have the same issue? Because we've run into an issue at at, at um, in the Texas facility where like a lot of the younger guys will just show up and then they just start their warm up without doing any like soft tissue work, and then they like start to like say like, "Dude, my arm <laughs> is killing me." And then like I go in there like I know my uh, one of my old trainers taught me how to do like soft tissue release of like the scapula, everything like that. So then I'll like feel it out. I'm like, yeah, dude, you got like five knots back here the size of a golf ball. <laughs> like, like, have you rolled these out? And they're like, no. So I, have you guys run into that issue? Yeah, dude. We, I mean, we're the same, right? Like kids are kids. <laughs> they're, they're all the same. Like, I don't care where, yeah. you, where you put them. They're going to be kids. Um, But yeah, it's definitely one of those things where like, I mean, it's simple for me. Like I have a little brother that trains here and he's the same way. And I have to like kind of get on him. And I'm a mm-hmm. little more like, hey, like let's go because he's my brother, you know. So yeah, I'm yeah. like, hey, like, let's let's not dick around. Like, let's get your, you know, we do what you're supposed to do. But it's definitely one of those things where, you know, people come in and they're sore, they're tight, and then like, oh, I just want to go hit, or then I'll just go throw. But they're not like and then I'm like, yeah, that's why you don't feel that good all the time, is because you're not really taking care of like those little things that you need to to allow yourself to feel good more often, yeah. you know? But, uh, but yeah, like the fascist stuff is interesting and it made me understand like, and that's the thing, right? Like when we talk to players, I don't need to dive in on that stuff, but like for me to know how that affects their body and like how to, um, you know, put them in a better position to be successful is very important. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really big thing that I've been looking at more um, throughout my journey of, you know, coaching and, and baseball is like, how does the box, the, sorry, the body actually work? And I think the fascia is very important because I think this made me understand it for me, for a personal perspective is like, okay, when I was in high school and I was trying to throw hard, right. And, and you, you know, I'm, I'm watching like, like, so for me, right. I grew up South Bay. So I grew up watching UCLA, big, you know, Mm -hmm. big Bruins fan. So I watched like Garrett Coulter, Bauer, and you see all these guys at that time, you know, they're like, they're kind of really on top. They're trying to get like, he's trying to be like Tim Lincecum. So I wanted to be like Tim Lincecum. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to throw hard, but then you understand everybody's body is built differently. So then you you go into the fascia aspect you have. And I talk about my play with my players all the time about this. You have Jacob deGrom, very loose and long. And then you have a guy like Brewster Gruderall, super tight and really strong powerhouse. 
The problem is, right, when you understand fascia and how the body works, like getting more range of motion and getting more flexibility for a guy who's really tight is not necessarily the, the, the best thing to go about it because he's never going to look like Jacob DeGrom. Like, yeah. I don't care how, how much yoga classes you put. Yeah, I don't loose. think anybody, anybody, I don't think anybody. Yeah. Can, like, dude's you know a freak. I mean? like, there's, there's, there's really loose guys, and then there's really tight guys, and then there's people in the middle, and it's a spectrum. Yeah. But the fascial system makes me understand, like, okay, well, you're tight, so that means you probably could produce force very fast compared to maybe a looser guy. So we don't need to change you. Maybe loosen you up a little bit or give you thoughts and make you understand how to move correctly. Um, but that made me understand and, and long story, it made me understand like, okay, if you're a looser guy, that means you have to pull out a lot more slack. Yeah. Right. And if you're a tighter guy, you don't have that slack because your rubber band's tighter, right? Mm -hmm. We just need to get you to pull out whatever you have and then let it go. And then for a looser guy, they need to understand like you're really loose. You can't just be quick and tight and you have to understand how to get to those better positions so you can pull that rubber band and let it snap back. And yeah. I think that's the thing that I, I learned through like fascia and like the slings and the body and like how they work and maybe like be a better coach. Cause I can understand like, and it goes back to the thing of, for me, I'm not ever going to be a loose guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm not built that way. So I need to learn how to use my body the best for me. And so when I understood how that works, it made me understand like how I needed to move for myself um but i mean that's a long story but like it's uh, definitely helped me understand more of like those type of things yeah no i i think a lot of a lot of guys you know i've done it before in the past i think we're all guilty of trying to find like your player comparison mm -hmm. and you're like i want to throw like this guy you know and you mentioned tim lincecum i think there was I, I don't think there was a pitcher across the country who wasn't like dude let me try to throw like tim lincecum but that's yeah, just yeah. a freak <laughs> like you know you know and then um like last night so uh, like once the playoffs started di like my my buddy was watching the diamondbacks game and he was watching one of the pitchers uh, is the guy who pitched last night ginkle kevin ginkle i don't know if you watched the game he was the like i was on the floor so i, I hit him <laughs> yeah no 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 worries but he was like he was like oh my gosh he like texted me he's like dude the guy pitching for the the diamondbacks throws exactly like you and I was like, you know, when I first looked at it, I'm like, dude, there's no way. Like, I was like, like, I understand this stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay. I watched it and I was literally like, oh yeah, no, that, he's, he's pretty right. Like it, it wasn't because I, like you said, I'm a tight, I'm a tight guy too. Like I just, I don't have like a lot of, like I, I'm, I'm mobile, but I'm not like super, like, like I try to be tight. I have to be tight, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I know it sounds weird to say, but. I was watching him throw and I was like, oh yeah, like he pops out of his back leg early. I do the same thing. Like, but like you said, like the body has adaptations. Everyone's different. He's found a way to generate force and can still throw 95, 98. Um, even though like ideally his mechanics are, they're not like perfect, you know, like on paper that doesn't do anything like crazy, crazy. I'm sure if you dive into it, he does a lot of good stuff, but um but I get what you're saying. He's, he's like, and that's one thing I think it's a, uh, oh man, there's this great example. It's like, um, I forget what the comment, the, the, the term for it, but basically it's like, it's like this, right? Like if you draw a circle, you have that ideal thought of what a circle is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you draw it, it don't look that way. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, 
the same thing, right? Like you saw him throw and he's throwing really well. Like, yeah, you might have a perfect like idea of what maybe he could do to throw hard, whatever, but like he throws really hard doing what he does mm -hmm. because that's how his body allows him to throw hard. And yeah. I think that's like the most important like takeaway, you know? Yeah, no. And then I think you can also like a lot of guys only like, fluctuate in velocity and I'm using myself as an example because we just talked before about me, my fall fluctuating because doing like new stuff, everything like that. And it's kind of hindering my velocity. So I think once guys start to like try to get away from that, then they're like, you're just hurting yourself in the long run. Cause you're like, you, you're not going to move like that. And like, you got to stop, you stop doing that. Yeah. Stop doing that. Like, I think um, one thing I had talked to Joe about was my back foot. So when I squat, I have really externally dominant hips. Like I, when I squat my feet, they're, yeah, they're pointed like, if this is my, like, they're like that, like really, yeah. Same. You're in the me, same boat. Me too, me too, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. No. So when I, like when I throw my toes are on the rubber, but my heel kicks out, like it kicks towards the plate when I pick up. And it's just because it, when I go down to like my hinge and I'm riding the slope, that's just my body's like, this is the only way we can do that. Like if I try to go keep my foot straight and get in the same position, it's like a pinching sensation on my hip because it's not like the socket, like in it, the way it lays in the socket, it's not letting me move like that versus if it's turned out or turned like that. So like, if this is my foot rubbers right here, it's literally like that. So I, this was little, little things. And I don't know. That, hey, you're, you're, you're right on the money, my man. You're, you're thinking yeah. about the right. And this, oh, yeah. this is the, this is where it comes back to like fashion, like just learning how the body works is like, okay, we'll go, we'll dive a little deep on the, the back leg right there, right? Like the primary motive for like your, your gluteus maximus is your biggest muscle on your ass, basically, you know, it's an external rotator, right? Mm -hmm. That ex gets into extension. That's what it does. Nor like that's how it produces force. And the thing is for like a tighter guy like you, right? Your hips are more this way, right? So if I try to make it this way, what do you feel like? tight tense you can't really get enough like in your hip right yeah so kind of like a your, pinching it's just like a pinch that's what it feels like yeah. and then you have the opposite where i have like one of our athletes here luke uh elward is a very loose man he's super mobile you know mm -hmm. what i mean like more like a degrom he's very loose and he's really comfortable with his foot this way yeah right but that's how he can generate that type of like uh, tension and produce force that way because that works best for him. But when you put him in an external position, he's like, dude, I feel, I feel weak, bro. I was like, yeah, I can't yeah. take this way. And I think that's the most important thing, right? Is like when you understand how they're built, like you, right? You, you have more extroverted, right? That's what they call it, hips. Mm -hmm. Like that's where you feel the best in your squat or your hinge. And let like let's keep doing that. Like let's keep working that instead of trying to okay, let's let's go more neutral. Let's go here. Like it doesn't matter. Whatever that guy feels the best in is what we're gonna do. Yeah, there's a I'm sure I know you're on social media. You know Jack Barry is he's got like a big I, presence on Twitter and stuff, pitching guy. Oh uh, I'm you know it's funny, I'm only on Twitter for like my my sport teams and like oh, okay stuff. I'm, so i don't really dive into like the hitting or pitching space mm -hmm. on twitter i think i need to I'll, I'll 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 take a look yeah well if you have a chance check out this dude jack barry because he was talking about how he hurt himself trying to force himself into more internal rotation in his legs i think he said he messed up his meniscus in his knee because he was trying to like 
shoot his knee into like down as yeah so he said he messed up like the meniscus and then he also messed up some stuff in his hip because he was trying to just like like sh- shoot it in internally yeah. internally even though he said he was he was more of an external guy so i mean it can you can cause it you can you can actually hurt yourself and trying to force yourself into these positions because it's like dude just you know your body I, I was talking to joe about this the last um last time or when i had him on like over time think about it from the time you start walking to like when you first start playing baseball you develop your adaptations and then from the time you started playing baseball to when you started training to actually play baseball at the collegiate level, professional level, you developed more adaptations or you basically built off the adaptations you already previously had, previously had. So when you just go back and you're like, oh, I'm going to try to do this, you're basically redoing, say you're 19, 20 years old, you're redoing 18 years of, <laughs> of adaptation. That's not going to happen. You're not going to get good results with that. So, like, no, uh, what what is the there's a phrase for it? But oh, anyway, anyways, what were you gonna say? No, you're you're man, you're my. I'm gonna start calling you, dude. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, be, we're gonna be talking. I love, hey, I love the way you think, man. And from the thing is, you haven't met me yet, but like when I'm in the facility, goddamn, I I talk people's ears off. I ask a lot of questions and I try mm-hmm. to figure that out. But I love the way you think about things. That's that's awesome. Um. But the, the thing that I, I'm harping that I want to harp on is, is piggyback off the point you just made. It's like, okay, you've been moving like this for 20 years, 15 years, 25 years, whatever. You, maybe three, three to four months of an offseason is not going to change that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we could try to get you better in maybe some aspects, but like you move the way you move, right? Yeah. So let's just make that movement the best we can possibly make it. And I think that's the idea that I have with all my guys is like, uh, I just want, I just want to make them the best versions of themselves. And like you said, like, okay, he's trying to force internal rotation. Right. But when you watch, like, when you watch like the best throwers in the world or the best punchers in the world, boxing or the, or like or hitters or whatever, like they they don't initiate like a internal rotation move. Like that's not how we rotate. You know, we more rotate from the middle of our body. Our back foot kind of just gets pulled off. Yeah. Goes right? to ankle so version. Yeah, so it's just one of those things where it's not – I'm not just pivoting and then I go. It's like Mm -hmm. the middle moves and then this comes up. But when, you know, people try to move in the wrong way, right, that causes a lot of issues. And that's one thing that I I try to harp on with my guys is I just want to make sure – and don't get me wrong, like strength is huge. Arm care app is huge, making sure everything is dialed in. But if you go on the mound and you move in a bad way, you're going to get hurt. Or mm-hmm. something's gonna go wrong, right? And I always relate it back to like a, a squat. My bad. I'm gonna go on a rant real quick. But yeah, like, go, dude, <laughs> so, rant, rant away. I, yeah, I'm all yours. <laughs> but uh, but basically, like, I always put it back in this perspective for the players. So it makes it easier. I'm like, let's get off the mound. Let's start, stop talking about pitching and hitting, whatever. Let's just make it simple and go to a squat. Okay, we can have the best program in the world, right? And whatever, and all this other stuff. But if you go squat and your form is bad, guess what's gonna happen? You're going to hurt yourself. Right. And that's a simple way of looking at it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always think I always tell people this. I'm like, look, if you look at the best Olympic lifters in the world. Right. Yes, they're very strong. They're very detailed, all that stuff. But guess what? They have like the best form on the planet. Right. And so that's what the thing is, like everyone's different. But I'm like, let's make sure that we're putting you in the best spot to be successful for yourself. 
and then not trying to create other movements that are going to get you injured or, or lose energy. And so those are the, that's the type of the mindset that I kind of have, you know? Yeah. But that's yeah. I, I like how you use the weight room analogy of like squatting because my first year here, I got hurt in the weight room because, <laughs> because so we're going to go a little back backstory. So going into my first year here at school, this is, fall of 2021 so the summer of 2021 was when i was up to 95 and i was deadlifting 600 pounds for four reps on the trap bar so mm. i get to school so i was i was moving weight like i was really strong oh you were moving some weight uh, yeah you, yeah i mean granted granted it is like the high trap bar so like it, was, it is I, like the higher one but it's still a good amount of weight for for that that's but, a lot of weight but we go we go to school and start lifting and like i don't even remember it was like maybe a month in and we're doing trap bar deadlifts and we're doing like heavy trap bar deadlifts so i'm like it's fine i like the deadlift i think it's a good exercise for ground force production i know a lot of people are like oh i don't want to do it because injury risk reward and it's like dude if you're doing it right you'll be fine like i that's the way i look at it but I start going, doing my reps way I had always done it, like the form I've always used, which is good. It was good form. It's not like I was doing cat back, everything like that. Like I would keep everything stable and our strength coach is like, no, 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 no. I need you to do it this way. And he wanted me to like shoot my chest up in my down position and keep upright when I do it. So like, if I'm like, he wanted me more upright when I lifted and I was like, I was like, all right. So I swear to God, I do one rep like that. And I'm like, man, that felt a lot heavier. Next rep, the worst pain I've ever felt in my low back just shot, shot straight through. I literally dropped the weight and it wasn't even that much. I think it was like 350, but I like, I just dropped it immediately. And I was like, I can't, I was like, dude, I just messed up my back. And they're like, oh, okay, you're fine. Dude, come to find out, it, it took me like five months to come back from it because I bul- I had two disc bulges in my low back. Oh and damn. I couldn't move. Like it was it was the most it was the worst injury I'd ever and I've dealt with UC- I had a UCL sprain. I've dealt with like strength like this the normal injuries, a whole laundry list. Hands down worst injury I've ever dealt with because you couldn't I couldn't do anything. And then it also didn't help that like we were they were telling me oh, we need you to stretch. Like, you just got to stretch. You got to stretch or whatever. And then I, yeah. every time I'd stretch, they'd be like, I, I'd start stretching. And they'd go, I'd be like, it's feeling 10 times worse. After I stretch, it, it hurts. And then come to find out, I start doing research on my own because I was like, okay, this is, like, I'm making no progress. I start doing like my own research on stuff. And then they're like, dude, stretching is the worst thing you can do for like a lower back, like disc bulge. Like you need to be yeah. doing stabilization exercises. So, dude, for from that point on, that was like three months, four months into the injury. Next month and a half, two months, I'm literally every day doing bird dogs, like a bunch of other stuff until I'm literally just drenched, shaking in sweat. And I started seeing really good results. Like it stopped hurting. And I was like, oh, thank God, dude. Brutal. I love it. I love it. Though. I love, it sucks, but I love that. I love that. Yeah. So look, look, this is, oh, we, okay. So we have some more stuff in common. Big dog. So when I was in college, I think it was my, uh oh um yeah sophomore year going into my sophomore season like i think it was like um 
November, like one of our last lists before we go to like, we just take a Christmas break or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing RDLs. I'm doing like three plates or whatever, normal weight, but I hurt my back really bad. Right. It wasn't because of them is, is I'm just an idiot, I guess. And I had bad form probably, <laughs> but, um, but the main thing that we have in commonality is my trainers at the time told me what, Hey man, you need to stretch more, do some mobility work. Right. So I did that the whole season and my back sucked. It just hurt. Mm -hmm. Bro, it was terrible. Like when I hurt my back that first day, I was like walking like an old man back to my my apartment. I was like, this is awful. And the jacuzzi like every night, popping ibuprofen like nonstop, just so I get through the season. It was bad. Mm -hmm. But that's all they had me doing was stretching and, and it's like it never got better. Right. And then I actually went to go work with this other place. Um, man, like uh I don't know if I can say a name. I don't I don't know, whatever you want to do. But it was a place, uh, out in like OC that my dad found and the, uh, the guy used to be like, um, I think like the director of rehabilitation for like USC. And then he has his own private facility, but long story short, he had me doing a lot more of what you were doing. Stabilization or work like bear crawls, like a bunch of stuff that I'd never, that no one ever taught me to do. And guess what happened in three weeks, that back pain I had for a whole year gone. Yeah, dude, it's, so it's like, literally that little thing, I guess. It's such a weird thing to think that it would be an issue. But if you really think about it, it makes perfect sense. Like, I, I don't know why it's not more commonly known because you want your low back to be tight. Like, I know everyone's like, you don't want it to be tight, like whatever. You get tight back pain. I'm like, first of all, a lot of the times if you're dealing with like a tight low back, like on your left or right side, a lot of the times it's your it's your glute that's tight. Yeah. Right? or something like your hip like your hip like uh your psoas stuff like that usually that's like inflamed and it's causing back pain but you want your low back to be tight because it holds everything in your spine in place like it keeps it it keeps it locked in oh man so he's dropping knowledge right dude. Now. if you start yeah if you start stretching it and everything they're telling me to do like dead hangs all the time which i love dead hangs by the way i still do them because like it's good for like lat flexibility yeah everything like that and grip strength, but they're telling me to do dead hangs. And it's just literally all you're doing is just pulling it further and further apart so that the disc can go further and further out. You need to be doing that stabilization stuff, which is why it drives me crazy. I don't know if you saw, I'll send you the TikTok I made and it was about bird dogs because every single day at the facility and we had like, like it's uh whenever it'd be like a deadlift phase, somebody's accessory movement would be bird dogs and they're doing it just, Mm, 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 like bending all the way through and i'm like dude so i literally made a video i'll, I'll send it to you because i lost my mind i, I was so frustrated that day. like you can hear it in my voice the emotion i was talking with i'm like dude if i see one more person bending their back in a bird dog i'm gonna lose my mind i was like dude here you go and i showed him how to do like the perfect one like slow controlled fist to knee for like five seconds and then slowly back out while keeping your pelvis completely level and your back completely straight i was like there you go that's how you do a good one. But people don't like doing them because they're, this is the truth. They're really fucking hard. <laughs> like when they're you start, doing, when you start doing like true bird dog reps, controlled everything four reps and you're, you're smoked, like you're gassed. So I'm glad we have that commonality of dealing with back injuries, but. And that's the worst, that's the worst pain, bro. That is the most sucks. debilitating pain ever back. Pain. Oh yeah. Dude. And nothing helped. It was like, dude, wake up in pain, take a step in pain, bend over even more pain. <laughs> the worst feeling, man. You feel like, oh, just shoot me. Just put me down. Mm -hmm. Like, it, mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's no, dude, I've never done so many bear crawls, like really like tight constricting in my entire life. I, I, those are hard. Those yeah. are real hard. Yeah. But yeah, no. And that's one thing I talked that I go in a little on the pelvis and the lumbar spine and how it's supposed to stabilize. And like, and that's the thing is this player not doing, what is he not like allowing his body to do well? Hold on. Oh, wait, Ray, can you can you hear me? Hold on one second. Ooh, run into a connection issue here. Hold on one second. Are you there? Yeah, I ran into a really bad connection error there. Like started like breaking oh. up really bad. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. No, you're good. No. You're good. All right. Yeah. So sorry if you want to repeat what you said, because I don't think it picked up any of it. Oh. No, but basically, in short form, I was just talking about how, like, when you understand what things are supposed to do, it, mm. it gives you a better picture of what it's supposed to look like as well. So that just kind of helps me with players, and that's kind of what I was talking about right there. Gotcha, gotcha. No, oh, that was a bummer. <laughs> but uh, oh, you're I, good. You're good. No, no, no. <laughs> on uh, so I know you said on Twitter you only use it for like your sport team. Who who are your sport teams? Uh, big, big UCLA fan my entire life. Um, you know, my, my dad grew a big Bruin fan. So I used to go tailgating when I was like 12, all, you know, all the way growing up. So big UCLA fan. Um, I'm an angel fan, but it's, it, it sucks. It I'm sucks sorry. to be an angel fan. Um, uh, so that's not the highlight of my day. Uh, and then, I mean, I'm not, you know, it's funny too, is my dad's a Chiefs fan. So I grew up a Chiefs fan. So big Kansas City Chiefs, baby. Um, but yeah, so I get that. Oh, you're a bandwagon, blah blah. I'm like, nah, but yeah, so those are my team. What about you? Oh, I mean, man, Chiefs fan. I've lived, I lived with a Chiefs fan for two years, so I've watched more Chiefs, <laughs> or actually, no, now three years because my roommate's girlfriend is a Chiefs fan, so we watch every game too. They sound like I, good people. Uh, yeah, they are. I mean, I hey, I have my own thoughts. I don't watch football a lot. I'll, I'll be completely honest, I'm not a big uh, football guy. I watch it if it's on. I don't have a big team except for Oregon football. My dad went there. That was like my dream school all through high school and stuff. But um, I will root for Oregon if they're playing. Uh, but Chiefs, this is from an outsider's perspective looking in. This is a baseball. I know this is a baseball. This is a baseball podcast, but I want to talk about football for a second. I, I don't think I've ever seen a team get bailed out more by referees oh, until I watched the Kansas City Chiefs. This Very is from the, this is unbiased. I don't have a team. I do not have a team in the league. I I just watch all the games, and I'm like, hmm, wow. I was like, hmm, hmm, interesting. Very interesting. But they are some dogs. Patrick Mahomes is probably he's the best quarterback in the league right now. Um, yeah, Travis Kelsey. No, I get it. Though. I get. It. I get it. Trust yeah. me, I get it. I that's know, how that's you... how I feel about USC football. I'm like, I watch their games. <laughs> that's how I watch USC football. I'm like, ah. But, yeah, I uh, my dad and I were watching. Uh, we're anti USC household, and he was. Let's this, go, let's yeah. go. See, I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. <laughs> we uh, we were we were this past weekend. We had like family weekend, so everyone's family was here in town. But my dad came up, and we went to my buddy's house, and his dad was the uh, oh, excuse me, 
his dad was the head coach at Utah, Utah baseball for like a good amount of time. And he's a Utah fan. And we were watching the game this past weekend. So we, we, we were, we were very happy. It was a fun time. Oh so, yeah. So was I, so was I. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, have you been catching any of the postseason baseball? I know you that's said you were normal. working the floor last night. That, but. That's the only thing is like, I'll watch tidbits because I'm like on the floor all night. So mm-hmm. like it's on the TV, but like it's very hit or miss, you know? So yeah. I'll watch like a couple of things here and there. Yeah. Do but, you, uh, who, who do you got for the world series? Rangers, Diamondbacks. I want the Rangers to win. They haven't yeah. won, they've never won a World Series. I want them to win. I, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I do know that the Rangers have some dogs in the box, though, man. They they could swing it. So, okay. uh, And Tommy, so does the Diamondbacks. But, yeah, I, I'm, I love watching the Rangers hit, man. That That's a really fun thing. So. No, I think we're getting a preview of what the next, the next five years of World Series are going to look like because it's going to be one of those two teams. I said right hand on the Bible. <laughs> I swear this happened last year. I'm not going to get my other roommate because he was here for it. But I said opening day last year, we're watching, I think it was the Diamondbacks and somebody. And I was like, dude, I guarantee the Diamondbacks are going to make a run in the postseason. And they did not believe me. I literally, I, I said, I said, dude, they're going to, I'm like, they have the Grinky or not Grinky. Um, what's his name? Corbin Carroll, young stud, Alec Thomas stud. And then you got your pitching, you know, uh, Zach Gallen, like, I was like, dude, they're gonna make a run. Trust me. And my other two roommates were like, nah, dude, you're, you're, you're dumb, dude. That's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. I'm like, just watch, man. And sure enough. And then the Rangers, you know, they got, they got just like you said, studs in the box. And it's only gonna get better because next year they're gonna have Wyatt Langford. You know, what was he the third overall pick? So that hey, outfield... that, guy, that guy could swing it right there. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be their outfield. Is gonna be Evan Carter, Adolis Garcia, and Wyatt Langford. So it's gonna be a scary, scary lineup they're running out. But I think, I think I'm taking the Rangers. Um, I just think they have. I know the Diamondbacks. Their bullpen has been the best in postseason so far. Like they've been shoving Paul Seawald and um, Ginkle. I already mentioned them before. One two punch. Their lights out right now. But uh, I think the Rangers offense is just going to run away with it. So I, I have the Rangers, but I'm excited that it's not the uh, Astros again for another year. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I'm sure you can relate to that, you know, being a little bit of an, being an Angels fan. Oh, uh, so. yeah, no, it's cool. I, you know, it's funny. I don't mind the Astros because obviously they beat the Dodgers and stuff. So like that, I'm cool with that. Like I, Dodger fans hate the Astros, so I, that me, I'm like I kind of like the Astros because <laughs> I'm yeah. angel. Fan. But right. no, I get it, I get it. But I, I love, man, I love watching baseball at the highest level because you get to see some really cool things. You get to see some extremely good athletes and people that are amazing at their craft. So I always, yeah, I love watching baseball and like I try to pick it apart and you know, it, it's fun. I think what's really cool is uh relating way back earlier in the conversation when we were talking about how you're telling your uh, uh, a story about a teammate looking at the right field pole and then he mm-hmm. hits like a shot. Right. And I think I saw something. I was actually on Twitter. It was on Twitter, <laughs> believe it or not, but it was a quote or something about, or maybe it was, it was probably all over, but um, the, the hitting coach was saying, Hey, we're going to try to hit the baseball. Like it's three balls ahead of, or higher than it. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's awesome because that, that means that it tells me that he kind of, uh, like 
that that guy is able to relate to those players really well in a, in a way that allows them to do well on the field. And, and I think that's like the biggest job that I take away from it or the biggest thing I take away from it as a coach is like, you need to create those thoughts for those players to be successful. And that's kind of why I love, I love hearing those guys talk and things. So yeah, that stuff's fun, man. No, dude, it's, it's a different ball game. Spet like professional, like the jump from like MLB, everything like that. Like I, I know, I know MLB gets a lot of flack because they're like, oh man, the draft is so boring because these players won't be up for another, you know, two, two to four years. But you're like, yeah, dude, I don't think you guys understand the skill gap. <laughs> like it's, it's drastic. I mean, every now and then you get those outliers like, like Steven Strasburg, guys that just basically complete, completely skip the minors for the most part and go straight up. But like, dude, it's, it's wild. Like uh, I, I was fortunate enough when I was back in high school, in El Paso, I got to work at the AAA stadium for the Padres. So I got to see a lot of big name guys come through and awesome. we'd all, yeah, we'd watch, like I'd watch their BP. Cause at the time, here's a fun fact for you. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but coming out of high school, I had more hit. I had more offers to play in college as a hitter than I did as a pitcher. Um, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm going to open the yearbook a little toot my own horn, but you know, I was a bit <laughs> of a dog in the box. Um, but <laughs> I, I couldn't hit buddy. I got, I was, my swing was, te- I was a, I was a, you know, a BP all American as you would say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we put on a show, put on a show. We love it. You know, a little home run derby, <laughs> give the people what they want. But uh, no, I used to watch the hitters and the most impressive BP rounds I had ever seen was Kyle Tucker. When he was triple A with the Astros, he he came through and I'd heard of him. Like I was like, oh, like I saw, like I know they say he's like one of the best true hitting hitters, like in all of baseball right now. Dude, his BP rounds ridiculous. Like he was putting balls, they they have like a, a three-story, three-story thing, a concourse out in right field with like 20-foot light posts. And he was just peppering balls off the light post the entire BP round. It was ridiculous. And then he gets in the game, and it's there the entire homestand. In two games, he hit three home runs all to the opposite field, just on a line, just straight out. And I was like, dude, this guy's disgusting. Like, it's it's wild seeing that. Yeah, I know that. that I love watching – man, yeah. That's the thing. I love watching, like, elite hitters work, and I love watching their BP. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I watch that stuff a lot. Cause you're going to see some impressive things, man. And I think that's why I was lucky and kind of blessed and fortunate to be in a couple situations where I've got to witness some like really elite hitters or play against them. But like, um, and maybe not at the best level, but like, for instance, uh, Tyrone Taylor, he plays for the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, local- I'm, I'm a Brewers fan. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He, he uh, he, I, he's a, a friend, you know, from Torrance. We played baseball together. He was, mm-hmm. he was older than me, but I was like a freshman. He's a senior. But, like, I got to watch him hit and, like, see how he works. And, like, as a high school kid or a freshman, and you're watching that kid as a senior, I'm like, God, he's, like, light years above people. You know, and that, it's really cool, especially when you watch the best of the best. It's, like, it's crazy. Or, like, another guy, uh, Angelo Gums, another Torrance alum, he was, like, drafted second round of the Yankees. But, like, his BP was unreal. Like, stupid pop, man. I mean, like, just whack. Like, you yeah. know, just something I've never seen in my life. And I'm like, yeah. God. But, yeah, when you watch those guys swing the bat, it's it's pretty impressive. It's pretty no, impressive. Yeah, I think from a, just like a approach standpoint, the most impressive was Evan Longoria. I got to mm-hmm. see him right after he left the, the Rays and he went to the Giants, I believe. 
Um, but every literally every pitch was a line like a line drive, probably seven feet off the ground between the L screen and where the second baseman plays. Every single swing, it was just just bad on ball. Like the, it didn't matter where it was, it was just every single swing. And I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like just yeah. watching this, but I mean, that it, was it's it's cool being able to like look back and be like, dude, yeah, I got to see that guy play. Like whatever. I, I know my dad, he always tells me a story of being able to see Ken Griffey Jr. in person. Uh, and he was like, dude, he hit a he hit a he's like, I swear to God, he was like he hit a fastball that was about to hit him and he hit it into the third deck in right field. So but yeah, those yeah, guys are incredible. Yeah. Now I'm sure, I mean, I know you guys are you working with any guys there at the facility that you think we only have up, that you think are gonna end up being like big name guys? Um on the hitter side no not right now maybe a couple mm-hmm. um there's some there's some younger kids right now who i think would be really good but they're on the younger side right now yeah um and then yeah i mean the only guy right now that we have that's like a, uh i mean he just he just started but he's with the uh, cardinals minor league system and i was sitting with the other day he's yeah. very impressive to watch um but not many yet not many yet so what about you do you guys have any hitters over there um no well let's see it's been a minute since i've been back because i've been Uh, back at school but i know that el paso baseball is completely shifted from when i was so when i was in high school i'll I'll give you a little backstory i like i think it was going into my senior year we we they put together a team of like the best players from the area and this is the issue with el paso it's a huge city but it's in the middle of nowhere like there's Uh, probably i want to say it's like 680 680,000 but that's just El Paso County that's not including like all the little cities that are around it so it's probably a, close to a million people there but there it's in the middle of nowhere so not a lot of these guys get seen so that's mm-hmm. like been the main thing we've been focusing on is getting these guys looks and stuff and I know like for like out there in the LA facility I see like all the posts of guys like getting like the opportunity to play at college everything like that and it's starting to pick up in El Paso now because we are putting guys in touch with schools, stuff like that. I know we we have a showcase coming up in November with a bunch of schools, including the one I go to right now. They're going to be sending information to them. But when I was in high school, it was still like, you know, you'd really only go to, there's only like four schools in the area that you would end up going to. It was like either local, the local junior college. If you were really good, there's a D1, a mid-major up the road, like 40 minutes away. And then other than that, everything else, five hours away like like three uh-huh. three plus hours away distance but um i know my senior year or going into my senior year of high school i was on a team it was the best team i had ever seen on a field just from el paso guys and i was like i don't know how these guys haven't been picked up by anyone else like we had our, our third baseman was ivan melendez i don't know if you know who that is oh bro oh my god i just talked to ivan two weeks ago yeah I, yeah, I played summer ball with Ivan. Oh, you did? Yeah, no, yeah. He, yeah, he was he was the third baseman. Our shortstop was his name's Daryl Hernaiz. He is in he won minor league player of the year for the um, athletics this year. He got drafted by the Orioles. And then first base is dude named Brandon Pimentel. He just got picked up. He got picked up by the Nationals this after or as a free agent after this year. And then. Was who else we had a bunch of other dudes, just a lot of like college guys I played with that were throwing, you know, a couple pitchers that were up to like 91, 92. I'm like, okay, they should be going somewhere. 
yeah. I mean, have you have you guys run into that? I mean, I you guys, I feel like it's just like location wise, you know, you guys have a lot of like a lot of guys have options about schools getting looked at. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, but uh, how, how is it? Is it is it easier for guys to get picked up there? I think so. I, yeah. It's- it's a lot easier. And the thing is, I grew up in this area. So like, I'm mm-hmm. like, this is my, this is, I know. Like, stomping from grounds. Here. Yeah. This is my stomping grounds. Exactly. So like, I know like South Bay, there's so many different schools. So there's like, honestly, there's like unlimited opportunity. Yeah. Like there's no reason why you, if you were really good, you couldn't get looked at. So I think it's, it's easier definitely. Um, but it is one of those things where you just have to be put in the right spot. Like, um, or like know the right people or have the right mm-hmm. connections to be sane. And that's the one thing that I think Brent and, and like the guys here do a really good job of is they have a, really, a lot of connections and they, they give their players the best opportunity to, you know, play to the next level. So it's definitely, I think probably easier than El Paso. Maybe things are changing, but yeah. just, be, just be basically because of how many teams are here, yeah. uh, how many JUCOs, like how many like college D1, D2, like there's so many. Um, so it is a little different, but I also think that's the challenge here is like, since there's so many different teams and there's so many good players, mm-hmm. that's, that's really what makes it more difficult. Right. It's, yeah. it's just like, okay, <laughs> you have to make sure you're really, really good as well. Cause right. everyone else is really good too. So that's more of the challenge, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And then like, honestly, not everyone's going to go to the big schools. Like I yeah. didn't um, like it's, uh, it's unrealistic like i mean obviously for some guys it's very realistic but majority of people it's like hey why don't we you should pick somewhere where you're gonna be able to develop the, you get along with the coaching staff so that you don't run into more issues down the road so yeah no that, you, you couldn't have said it you couldn't have said it better man and that's that's one thing that i i've, I've, I've been talking to a lot of players about and, and, and especially with schools and going to the next level is you just want to go somewhere where you know that they can develop you the right way um, and you would obviously be comfortable with the the situation you're in because that's kind of one thing that I personally ran into in my experiences. I didn't really like it my first day where right. I was at, uh, and it makes it tough, for, especially for like a 17, 18 year old kid. You know, and you're, like you know, when you're not with your parents and you're in a totally different environment, that could be hard. Um, so that's one thing that I try to um, convey with my experience to the players now is um, like, sure, you want to go to the big school, that's fine. But also you want to make sure that you're just not a number, another number on that, on that yeah. team. You know, yeah. you want to make sure they actually like care about you and like want to, you know, make sure you get better. Um, and, the, you know, but the, the, yeah, like there's two situations there that I can go on the little stories is the first one being like uh, we talk about getting seen and stuff, the right time in the right place. I was grateful enough to give that to have the opportunity to play on a team called GBG. Uh, you probably heard of it. I, maybe. I have heard of it. Yeah, it's huge now. Yeah. But when I was playing on it, like you know, back in like 1975, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I was in high school, that it was just starting up. Yeah. Like maybe a few years, right? It was just it was just getting there. Um, but my Garcia Para, he uh, reached out to me and he told my dad that he wanted me to play in a showcase for them. He's like, uh, you know, you don't have to play with us, but come try, see how it is. I think it'd be a good opportunity for him to get seen. I was like, okay. They had an in-house showcase from, like, a couple of their teams. And I went and pitched. And I pitched, like, the sixth, seventh inning or whatever, the game. Um, you know, and um, I, I did really well. Like, I threw hard. It was, like, my junior year. I was, like, 99-2 on the bump for an inning. And then that just from that one opportunity, I was blessed to be in conversations with a lot of different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the bad part <laughs> is I didn't have good enough grades to go to other places that yeah. I would have really like to go. Um, so it was one of those things too, where me and my dad, my dad, like he played ball, but he never like experienced the things that I experienced, you mm -hmm. know? So we it was really our first time going through things together. Um, so I, in my head, I was like, I need to go D1. I have to go D1. Right. I need, I think that's the best route. Like if I want to play pro blast, I have to go D1. And so I was only limited to a couple of schools and that's why I chose them more so because of the D1 rather than like, I need to go there to develop and like, or I like the coaches. And, and then I think that's a very important part for young kids coming up too, is to understand that, right. Like just being a best spot where you can actually play, you can develop and you like where you're at, yeah. you know, so that's, no, huge. that's, that, that, that's like the biggest thing I know. Like for my situation, like for my situation, going back to junior college, I hated it. Like first day I was like, dude, <laughs> get me out of here. And like, it wasn't like, I mean, her, I'll, there was a lot of issues like with myself. <laughs> like okay. it was just that we bumped, I bumped heads a lot with the coaches because like going into it, I wasn't the guy who recruited me to go there left. And I had no uh -huh. idea. I didn't know. I didn't know he didn't leave. And it's a junior college. So I was like, okay, show up. And like, I'm like, oh, shoot, that guy's not even here anymore. So all, right off the bat, I already wasn't one of their guys that like they've seen play, you know? So also didn't help that I was also very hard headed and stubborn back then. So when they told me yeah, to do certain, like, well, like <laughs> well, it was just like, I, I, oh, how do I word this without coming off like a complete egotistical dickhead? But uh, <laughs> I I had a very high understanding of certain things regarding baseball, like specifically pitching. And when I showed up and they wanted me to do something that I knew was wrong, I would make it known that it was wrong. And I was like, why are we doing that? And, and it, you know, it created some issues. And then it, on top of that, I wasn't, I didn't perform well at all because like I just was not in a good state, like mentally and everything like that. So I was just always underperforming. So I wasn't getting a lot of opportunities. But yeah, first chance I got my second year when I got, I literally got a Twitter DM from the school I'm at now, and I was like, "Yeah, going, I'm jumping shit, let's go, I'm with it." So yeah, but I'm very fortunate that I actually did find like the place I'm at now. I really like it here. I like the coaches a lot. The people are even better. That's the thing. That was the big thing for me, is like it's one thing if the uh like coach you don't get along with the coaches because not everyone's gonna get along with your coaches then you know they're, they're your coach they're not supposed to be like your best friend so but i think a lot of guys they show up to school and they don't get along with their teammates and you know it doesn't feel like they're actually a part of the team they're kind of on the outside looking in um so then that was the situation i ran into like you, you know you found like your group of guys and everything like that but well, then when I got here, completely different atmosphere. And I was like, okay. Like, and I had, um, do you know who James Coble is? Met him? No. He, he, used to, he used to be at the LA, he used to train at the LA facility. He was my roommate oh. at junior college, at, okay. at my junior college. And we would, we talk on the phone, have the same conversation. And it's like, yeah, man, it feels like we're actually on a team now. Like, everybody, like we get a lot, like, <laughs> you get along with everybody it's wild like when you get that chemistry going so yeah important stuff so take anything from it from this pick a school like when you're looking at schools and everything like pick somewhere where you think you will 
be comfortable with everyone right like that's huge man it it might be across the country like who knows like mine i'm 12 hours from where i'm from so like it's a it's a good ways away but like it was the right fit for me everything has worked so far so that's that's awesome yeah so i think i've taken up and we've taken up enough of your time i'm sure you got to get back out on the floor Hey, man, we could keep talking for hours. Man. I love, <laughs> I love talking ball, baby. Don't yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I, I think you and I have very similar personalities. So, like, we're just gonna keep bouncing back and forth between each other. You got what? Do, what do you? Uh, what do you got there? I saw in your hand. A little, a little, you know, a little, a little dippy dip. Yeah, you know I mean? There you go. There he goes in. Oh, Come no, on. I, yeah, I got my, dude. I got my. What do I have? Grizzly right now. My grizzly. Yeah. Hey, do not, please. I know you're listening. If people are listening, younger guys, don't do it. Don't get into don't it. Do it. Don't yeah. do it. Don't We're not it. advocating for it. Please. It's terrible. It's terrible. It, it is. Yes, it is not <laughs> good for you. But all right, Ray, thank you for your time. We're going to hold on and get out of here in this video. But thank you guys for listening to episode four of the Facility Talk podcast powered by Bonneville Lead Athletics. If you are interested in training, remote training, talking baseball, anything, shoot us a DM. Uh, you can find uh, Ray Diaz on TikTok and on Instagram. It is Ray Diaz Motion. I'll make sure to throw like a little graphic on here so you guys can <laughs> find that. But yeah, shoot either him or myself a DM. Or if you want to get get some training going, uh, just shoot either of the Bimo Elite Athletic accounts. It is Bimo Elite Athletics and then Bimo Elite Athletics Texas. Shoot us a DM. Let us know what you think. Um, and we'll get you, get you guys some help. Ray, thank you again for your time. Uh, Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. Awesome.